0: Good day, Pinksters, and welcome to another episode of the Pink Box podcast. On today's episode, we'll be talking
1: about real estate in the GTA and the effects of COVID on the real estate market.
0: And today's episode, we have one of Toronto's top real estate agent, Charles Rocco. And we're super excited to have him on the show today. And without further ado, welcome to the show. And we are The the Pink Pink Box. Box. So, CC, what is your uh, pink problem this week?
1: So, my pink problem this week probably comes from my childhood and relates to the toothpaste tube. Uh, <laughs> some people have a really big problem with this about where you squeeze out the toothpaste on the toothpaste tube. Do you squeeze it from the top? And kind of work out all the toothpaste? <laughs> or do you squeeze it from the middle and just hope that you get enough out of it? Or do you do what my mom used to do, which is the worst thing, that she would roll it up as tight as she could till you could get every little last drop of toothpaste out of the toothpaste tube.
0: I'm a roller. <laughs> You're a roller? Um, sometimes oh I am. Sometimes I am because, I mean you can't waste toothpaste you can't just throw it out but why just don't because... you just squish it down
1: flat like when you roll it it looks all ghetto now who's gonna see it <laughs> when you have
0: guests over oh well, i mean you put it aside I mean, Oh, we
1: put ours all up fancy so you can see how neat okay. and organized we all are at our house
0: no I, for me the only problem with toothpaste is be considerate you know like Push it. Push it out so that you... There's what about the, next the goop person? left on yeah. the end
1: of it? Does that bug you oh, if they yeah. leave the goop? Yeah, like, I'm I sure kids like probably goop. come in and, like, friggin' put their slobbers all over the end of the <laughs> There's the
0: goop and the goop on the on the sink. Oh, when you spit it
1: out. <laughs> on the sink. Oh, okay. The sco- okay, but there's even the goop in the sink, too, where you know when you spit, and then there's that, always that little bit of toothpaste that yeah. didn't get dissolved.
0: Yeah.
1: I think people have a problem with that, too. Like, if you do that, like, wipe out the sink.
0: I mean just be considerate, you know if somebody else has to use the bathroom.
1: That's right. We have a lot of bathroom issues. This is a problem people in a lot of people's houses and the more we talk about it, the more <laughs> others people other people's problems like this come up. Okay, so what's yours this week then?
0: Okay, so you know how when you have you cook hot dogs, you buy a full bag which is 10 and then you buy the bun, which is eight. Can somebody explain to me the reason why? They have 10 in a pack of hot dogs, yet they sell 8 in a pack of buns. So what this is, is awesome the... <laughs> because this is
1: no this is this is the mind of Nini right now. This is how her mind works. So she's upset that she is only getting 8 hot dogs when there's 10 buns. This is great actually. No, because... no, it's
0: the well, it's the opposite. It's 10 hot dogs and 8 buns. Yeah, so how are you going to eat the other 2 hot dogs without the bun? But I guess at some point they figure one of those buns is a double upper. A double. You put you're going to put two hot dogs in, in it. Yeah, <laughs> That doesn't make sense. Because everybody has that guy that's going to like just throw everything on it anyway. So just put the extra hot dog in his bun. You know what it is? I think it's all just marketing strategy. So then you're, you're out of buns. So you're going to have to buy another set of, of eight buns, which you're going to not use the six other buns that's there. Yeah, so how many packages would you need to buy <laughs> till this is even? That's that's what I mean. It's all marketing strategy. You're gonna have to have the even amount of buns. So
1: what would you need to buy? Like forty
0: or like no eight packages of
1: hot dogs for dolly or something? It. <laughs> yeah, this is this is crazy people. And you're making
0: her insane. Can you just make a ten pack of buns? Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. You're just making us buy more buns and more hot dogs. This is awful. This is horrible. It is. They shouldn't be allowed to do this. So if you know what, do we have any other pink problems this week? Actually, we have a comment from one of our um, pink problems on our previous episodes. So one of our pinksters commented about the toilet seat issue. I think this was Lester
1: too, wasn't it? Wasn't his name Lester? So
0: um, he said, honestly, the toilet seat issue is outdated. For decades, it was OMG, the seat Was left up, and women complained when it's left down, and men left pee on it. I think it's a problem, and would would it be better to leave the seat up if you want a clean seat for the next time? Why not lift the seat when you are done? If that's too much to do, don't complain. If men don't lift the seat or clean the seat after missing the mark,
1: ooh, (laughs) this is controversy, but it's a valid point, I think. If we just always left it up, when we wanted a clean seat, we would just put it down and we know it's clean.
0: But it doesn't look good to to go in the toilet and you see the toilet seat up. It just doesn't look... Uh... No,
1: it doesn't. But you know what? I've been to a lot of like other countries, like third world countries, and there is no toilet seat
0: that's true that's true i don't know in
1: the philippines do they have toilet seats yeah or no?
0: like no no they don't
1: yeah so this is this is a first world problem this is a this is a toronto <laughs> problem and you know what we should just remove all the toilet seats like they do in those countries problem solved how many marriages will we be solving right now by just taking off the toilet seat
0: yeah it's just i i guess people get used to that comfort right like you have a a seat to to put your bums on <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i i think he has a valid
1: point anyways and and it's it's good that our listeners are starting to write in and let us know what what is there what irks them in the pink problem world that's true
0: so if you have any pink problems make sure to dm us on our instagram page the pink box podcast we also have our facebook and twitter page so if you guys want to reach us and let us know what your pink problems are make sure you do so and we'll um have it on our next episode Yeah, we'll discuss
1: it on our next episode and sometimes we we actually that reminds me too we actually have a poll going for one of our last episodes where we had toilet paper over or under and so far over is at 100 so if you get a chance go on to instagram at the pink box podcast and go on to our story And click yes or no for your vote on the toilet paper over or under.
0: Yes, make sure you check it out. Hello, Pinksters. This is Nene. And this is Cece. And welcome to episode four of The Pink Box, where anything goes.
1: All right. And welcome to the show, folks. We'd like to welcome our next guest, uh, Charles Rocco, a.k.a. your Iron Agent. And thanks for being on the show, Charles. This is going to be an interesting one. So you're a real estate agent in Toronto, correct?
0: I'm a
2: real estate broker.
1: Oh, you're a broker. My mistake, my mistake. And what's the difference between an agent and a broker for people that don't know?
2: The only real difference is if I want to open up my own brokerage, (laughs) I can do that. You have to take extra courses to get a broker designation. So I did the extra courses and I'm able to change my title. Instead of it saying sales representative, I have broker. So majority of the agents will have sales representative. On my card, it'll say broker.
0: So, what does an agent do that a broker can't do, or vice versa?
2: It's the same thing. It's just a fancy title, guys. To be honest with you, it's uh, just a fancy. <laughs> title. And again, if I choose to open up my own brokerage, let's say you're Iron Agent Realty, I can do that, and I can be my own broker of record. Other people that that want to open up a brokerage, they have to go to uh, do some more uh, accreditation in in uh, the school, and then when they get that uh, that title, they can open it up uh, their own brokerage.
1: I think, and I've always wondered about that. Like, why do they have the two... Like, why is one a broker and one an agent? Because I was like, well, is this guy better? But,
0: you know, I wasn't sure...
1: Right. As an
0: agent, as an agent, you can't open your own business where a broker can or.
2: Um, Yeah. So if you're if you're a real estate broker, that means you've gotten the accreditation to open up uh, your own brokerage. But because you have to go through uh, the courses, the course material, they teach you how to run a business. Uh, There's a lot of work involved when it comes like a lot of privacy and a lot of things and security when it comes to open up your own brokerage. So if an agent wants to open up their own brokerage, they um, they have to do that course. They have to do it by law. And then once they get that designation, then they can. It doesn't mean that we know everything. There's a lot of top agents out there that sales representative and they're doing better than brokers that have the designation. So it doesn't really mean anything. But I just like saying broker just to, you know, rub it in. <laughs> <Right>. yeah, <exactly. laughs> so it's
0: just a little extra. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started uh, with this business. Like, why did you start doing realty? Like, what, why did you get into it?
2: It was an idea from actually a very successful uh, UFC fighter. So before this, I was involved with uh, MMA and the UFC industry. And um, when I had one of the uh, a really reputable fighter come to the town, he was saying, "Listen, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Like real estate is big, and his cousins were doing it in the U.S. And then there was also another guy, uh, promoter out west, that uh, he owned uh, King of the Cage, which was one of the biggest in Canada, and he was saying, "Listen." If you're smart, get into real estate. Believe me, there's only a certain amount of time you're going to have in this industry. So I kind of reap the rewards with the with the MMA, and then I, I did it at the right time. I got my license, and I just utilized all the contacts and all the people I met. And uh, now I'm where I'm at. And uh, it, it is a busy lifestyle, but uh, that's how I got into it. And I always I always love uh, you know I love um, videos and being out there and talking to people. So it was personality as well.
0: What were you doing before this, before you got into the business?
2: Well, again, I was always involved with like, uh, like I always opened up my own businesses. So I had like a car company when I was younger in my teenage years. And then, um, before real estate, I opened up uh, a media company and, and brought down, uh, big time athletes and we did seminars and appearances and I was on camera, I was interviewing them and, and all that. So that's what I did before I got into real estate.
1: And how long have you been actually doing real estate now?
2: It's been 10 years. So uh, actually next year, in 2021, it'll be 10 years.
1: Oh, that's great. That's a that's a long time. I mean, like, and what is the life expen- expectancy of a realtor? Like, is it is it can they continue doing it forever for anybody who wants who's thinking about it? Or is there kind of like a time slot where you kind of, you know, you kind of become like an athlete you become expired kind of at one point in time?
2: yeah, on honestly, there's a lot. I just did a deal where the agent is like seventy years old. So it doesn't matter. <clears throat> uh, with real estate, uh, especially now with technology, you can work from the comfort of your home per se. Like when you're doing offers, you don't have to really go see anybody anymore. You can you know, it can all be done uh, over the phone. Um, the only difference is like you know the older generation, they're not they're not really tech savvy, so you kind of have to work with them in a different way. Um, but now, like uh, most of the people that I'm dealing with they are younger, they're the younger generation. So, it's a little bit easier, but there is no real... It just depends how much you want to work. You know, it's, just not, it's not an easy job, you know, by all means. So it just depends on, you know, how badly you want to work. And uh, that's pretty much it.
0: You said that it's not an easy job. So what would you say is the pros and cons uh, if you were to tell somebody who wants to get into this business? What would be the pros and cons? And what do they need to do in order to, um, you know, get to where you're at?
2: Um. So... To keep it short and give you the you know short <laughs> sweet answer. um The pros are obviously the money you make good money. The commissions are great. The cons are you're sacrificing. Every day is a sacrifice. Like uh, you can get a call last minute and you know your client, they don't understand what your lifestyle is. They don't know they they they, they probably know you have a kid and you know whatever the case is. But people don't care. When they want to see a property, they want to see it now. You're gonna drop everything, and that's a very that, that was something I had, I had to get used to um you know you got prior, prior to prioritize the prioritize uh you have to be very well organized and you you, you learn to grow thick skin in this industry because you're dealing with a lot of people that you know are cutthroat so um and it, again just in the real estate industry if you want to be successful you just it's customer service and i always say that in my video content customer service is number one doesn't matter how stressed you are or whatever the case is You got to be there for your client. You got to give them the best advice possible when they're purchasing a home. You got to put yourself in their shoes. So, if you want to be successful, yes, listen, the business can come, but you got to be able to handle it. So, you got to be able to juggle many different clients at the same time. And that can get very stressful. But uh, the pros are yeah, you work for yourself and the commissions are great. But a lot of people don't understand. Yes, the commissions are great, but we do a lot of work to just get that commission. Um, So, that's basically the pros and cons in a a short answer
0: right so it's not just easy peasy you have to work at it yeah you have to be a worker like a go-getter i guess that would
2: be a
1: good word for it right Uh,
2: yeah at, at the beginning i see a lot of people do message me um at the beginning it is tough because you have to like nowadays like people like if people that are starting and just got their license they gotta explain to people hey i'm new and people don't really want to deal with somebody who's new because they want somebody who's going to be like experienced and seasoned and, and understands and has been out there dealing with different situations so i feel bad for the new realtors however there have been a few uh, new realtors in my office southern group admiral which is the largest southern group in uh, canada uh, sorry uh, there are some new agents that are killing it they just you know it depends like they're they're probably being handed down clients from their parents that are retiring so there are situations where the new agents are making it um but and then there are other agents that are actually like grinding every day it's just like huge grind so
1: well i know from my personal experience uh, charles we did use you and your company when we sold my house and i mean charles you were awesome i mean we we put the listing up we got you helped us get the house ready and after we took the coming soon sign off, our house sold in three hours. Like that's got to be some sort of a record for you. And the
2: thing is like, yeah, exactly. And the thing is obviously working with great people like you, um, you well, guys they- understood. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, no, listen, sometimes when you're dealing with somebody who kind of gets the general concept of what, you know, it entails, it makes the job a little bit easier. Timing is everything. I always say that, you know, it was at the height of the market. You guys like it with, you know, in a short period of time, mean a good profit. So that was good, um, and you guys understood. And and yes, it, it's all about customer service because that particular deal we had to go, we had to go meet with the gentleman and get it done, and he really wanted it for his client, and we were able to like hey get that you know, pull the money up, and and everybody was happy at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, and I remember that particular cause that particular situation because we did have the multiple offer kind of thing probably going to happen because we had what twenty two showings booked for the next day, but we had that one offer come in and the people were kind of like desperate because of the situation in the market at the time.
2: Yeah, exactly. It was a preemptive offer. I mean, uh, I always tell my clients too, if it's a multiple offer situation, you really want the property, you better go in and it better be a good deal, a firm deal. And that's what we got. That's the goal at the end of the day. So the strategies you want to implement and there's always going to be somebody, um, you know, uh, it was a bonus for us that that person really wanted that property in that specific area and they came and put their best foot forward and got the property and everybody was happy.
1: Yeah. And I think that was the big thing was that people actually like when it comes down to it, I see a lot of your videos online and, A lot of people have had so many difficulties with other realtors, but then they get with you and realize that you have such a good customer rapport with even people that you haven't met yet, that people want to deal with you for selling homes, which I think is a really good uh, quality to have in your type of profession.
2: Yeah, no, I I totally agree. You have to be a personable person. You can't be too serious. And I've seen other agents blow deals because they're just, they have this ego and, and they're trying to be tough. You know what? Listen, we have a seller and a buyer. We want to get a deal done. Let's just be honest and upfront. No games. Of course, there's going to be a little bit of games because you're trying to work on behalf of your client. But let's just get a deal where everybody's happy. And that's it. And sometimes it's hard because sometimes the clients you have are not like that. They're not on the same level as you, like, are thinking. So that is one of the challenges, too. Like, I've dealt with clients where, like, they don't understand and it's more of a difficult task. But uh, at the end of the day, seller and buyer want to get a deal done. That's where I come in the picture and I calm everybody down if it gets too, you know, exciting, nervous. And that's when you got to come in and try to calm people down.
0: So just to go back a little bit when you started. So when you are new at this, how did you deal with the competition? Because there's a lot of real estate agents and brokers out there. And how do you deal with that?
2: when I first started again, 10 years ago is different than today. Like, today's totally different. Um, when I got into it, there was, there was a lot of realtors, but, uh, um, I would say maybe five years into it, that's when a lot of people started getting their license. So I got, I think I got into it at the right time. It was like, timing is everything. Even to this day, I, like I talked with my wife about it, I'm like, thankfully I got into this like 10 years ago because I was able to like see the trend, see what's, you know, the differences between the past and now. And, uh, <laughs> um the thing is yeah at the beginning it's always a challenge however i like again i I transitioned people already knew who i was with the media side so i was able to get clients in that regard but at the beginning you're getting like to be honest with you everybody i talked to at the beginning you get the hardest like uh products to sell like my first deal was like a mixed commercial and residential unit out in lindsay ontario i've never even been that far and my first deal was that and i'm like you're gonna take what you can get right you want to get experience and it was very stressful. And then, you know, uh, after that, you know, you just gotta advertise, you gotta talk to people. Uh, When you first start out, that's the first thing you gotta do, the first rule of thumb, tell your family, tell your friends, start marketing, start advertising um, and start talking. So that's what you gotta do um, when you're first starting out. So that's what I did.
1: And in your opinion, is there a better time of the year to sell over other years. And that's just on, let's just say that's like a regular year. That's like, not without COVID. We'll get into COVID in a a few minutes, but like just on a regular, you know, I want to sell my house. Is there, is it always better to sell in the spring or can people get deals better? Like maybe in the fall? Cause maybe their house hasn't sold. Like in your opinion, what do you think?
2: Um, well, I'm going to tell you off experience houses sell all year round. So when people say, Oh, I got to spring. No, listen, I get it. If you have a, a property that maybe the yard is beautiful and the backyard has been renovated and like the landscaping, you spent 30, 40 grand on that, go in the spring or summer so that people see it so you get more money. Um, mm-hmm. But I've sold record breaking properties in, in like a week before Christmas or New Year's. Like people okay. are always looking to buy. Them. So, so um, yes, I always tell people if you want to really maximize and you spend a lot of money and a lot of time on like on on like landscaping and, and interlocking and whatever the case is, then I would never sell in the winter. Sell in the spring. And also another thing is people do like to. Um, they like to buy and sell in the spring because if they have families, they want to move into their new house before the school year starts and so can get their kids into a school. Um, but uh, at the end of the day with me, like I can sell a property in the winter and like it, it, it's the Toronto market, the GTA market is hot, so I don't see anything slowing down.
1: I actually like that response because I'd actually like as a buyer, seller, whatever, I never really thought about that. Like if you haven't done anything outside and it's winter, what does it matter because nobody's going to be looking at that anyways. They're going to be looking at the inside. So. But it's
0: a good strategy too because if you want to get more out of the house, then sell it in, during the spring or summer and you know, you can probably get more. Yeah, no, I it. really
1: I like that. I think that's a good uh, you know, perspective for uh our listeners to be like if they're thinking of selling you have to look at each individual situation and what is your house going to be offering to the client
2: yeah exactly exactly 100
1: so okay so i kind of i kind of touched on it so let's kind of go to the present day So COVID, the market, like we hear so much on TV and I never know, are these guys, are they, you know, kind of working with the media company that they're on or are they actually telling the truth? Like, give us the lowdown. Like, how has COVID really affected the market this year?
2: I have a very strong opinion on it, but I won't really get into that. Um, The thing is, when COVID happened, it was a pandemic that nobody's really been through in our modern time, like where everything was shut down so obviously the media plays a big part in it everybody listens to the media everybody's scared um even the younger generation that don't really agree with what's going on um we still have older parents we have grandparents you know so they're the ones that are like you know being freaked out the most because they think that we're going to go around and contract this virus and give it to them which i understand um so when it first happened yes 100 percent the market did come to a halt like like nobody was selling everybody was scared um, i would say probably about two months ago well yeah about two months ago like things started opening up i guess like people just kind of realized hey listen like the market's been like like i need to sell i need to buy i want to get back out there and you know they uh you know and, and obviously we put protocol in effect so obviously like every industry will have to like kind of like tailor like a new strategy around what's going on so
0: you know with us
2: uh you know everybody it's kind of it's like when when months go by and you're locked in you kind of like say okay you know what how can we get back out there let's wear a mask let's put sanitizer at the door and you know um so a lot of now like the market has been heated up like i'm breaking records like crazy and we're just putting protocols in effect if you come if you come visit one of my listings we're going to have hand sanitizer we're going to have them sign a form before they come in um just to say hey we're you know we don't we don't have any symptoms or we haven't been in contact with people with symptoms so now it's slowly getting better I don't know what's gonna happen in the future you know people are talking about a second wave this and that but i think that uh you know we kind of iron that all out i think that uh moving forward if anybody's gonna sell their home they're gonna have that protocol in effect you gotta wear gloves you gotta you know wear a mask that's it so um definitely for the first few months oh it was bad like nobody was selling nobody was going out the only real difference now is nobody's really uh hosting open houses so uh it's sort of like hey you know what if you're a serious buyer Uh, you know, I'm going to book a showing, let's go see your property and and that thing. So you're getting more serious buyers. But right now, like I'm looking at listings in North Toronto and it's just like booked solid all day. People are going in and out. So I think people are kind of over the COVID thing. They understand wearing a mask will help. So,
0: so there's no virtual, um, house open houses or anything like that. Some
2: people do a virtual open house. What I do is I just do a video promo video, take good pictures, get good photographers in there, showcase every part of the house. So that before people come and take a look, they're actually seeing like, you know, the product. It's not just pictures. You're going to have the virtual tour. You're going to have the video and all that. Um, But I see some agents are doing like the virtual tour. But when I talk to them, they don't really get too many like visitors or they can see the stats after. They're not really getting too much traction with that. So it doesn't really work that well. No, you know what? Everybody, everybody's trying different strategies. So it's fine. But, you know, everybody's trying to do like an online Zoom thing and this and that. But I think like that's just, our nature, like, what are we going to do to like promote this house? If like, we got to do something. So, uh, my whole thing is just put a proper virtual tour out there and have a proper, properly worded description of the property. And then you'll get the, the serious buyers coming in.
1: Yeah. And I, you know what, I always watch your videos online uh mostly like on instagram but we'll 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 give the listeners uh where to find you after but on your instagram your videos are bomb like for the the way you present them the way you present yourself and you really know how to show the inside of a house like even though i'm not buying right now but like i want to by by watching your videos
2: yeah yeah and you know what and that's the thing like just recently probably in the last two years i realized i got to do more video content so I started doing more video content. And, I, and by the way, it's a passion too. I love it. Like I have a nice camera, a camera, like I have a camera that I don't even know how to use and it's very nice, but I'm learning and people think it's a professional doing and I'm just learning on my, like whatever free time I have, I'm learning how to edit videos and I'm looking at other, other uh, people as well. But I noticed, and it's funny because my other client was telling me, I noticed, I'm not going to mention a name, but a really, really top agent is actually copying what I'm doing. He sees what I'm doing and he's doing everything I'm doing. And I'm like, okay, that that's amazing. Like, the thing is, people, they want to see you talk. You have to have an edge over everybody else. But not everybody can talk. Not every not everybody's comfortable on camera or what. Or they just want to, okay, put the house up. That's it, done. I, I get it. Some people, they're making money without talking, whatever. But I think nowadays, people want to hear you talk. They want to see what type of person you are, what type of character you are. So that's why I think video content is important. And that's where I'm like this is nothing now like like you know uh come september i'm gonna have a lot more videos coming out i'm gonna start addressing issues um again you don't want to talk too much because it gets boring you just want to like hit those points like hey this is You know, this is what I offer. This is what I'm doing. You're seeing it for yourself firsthand with the video content. So, yeah. So
0: you think that definitely helps to promote when you're more approachable and you talk to the clients and you have these videos?
2: Yeah. You know what? Uh, I've been getting a lot of business because people have just been seeing my videos. And these are sellers that are like, hey, you know what? Like, I love this guy's video. Like, this is awesome. And another thing, they're like, hey, when I sell my house, I want to have some pride. I want, to, I want to be able to say to my family, hey, look at my agent. Look what he's doing. Like, look at those nice drone shots, those aerial views. Look at how he's talking, how he's how he's explaining this and explaining that. People want that, and then they'll share it. with. And then the funny thing is, those videos go viral. People are going to share them to their friends and everything. And people see it. You, how many properties have I sold? I'll give you one instance. Uh, I had a property in Uxbridge. My client, you know, before I met them, they used the top producer in their township. They couldn't get the job done. And they're a big company. Eight months, couldn't get it done. I came in, I used a proper drone. We got proper shots. I said, wait a month because we want to highlight the grounds. It was like a 25 acre property. One week we sold the property and they couldn't believe it. And the lady that, um, it was a local agent. She said to me, she goes, when they saw your video of you in front of the fire pit and the and the drone went up over you and it showed like the aerial view, it sold my client. And you know sometimes you got to get creative and that's, that's the edge I have, I believe, I have over most of the agents out there.
0: Right. So how do you think the social media has changed the game today?
2: Social media is everything. Everybody's online. Everybody's looking on their phones. It's the way it is. So um, you have to adapt to that. Um, you got to, again, you got uh, to know how to put your content out there and have people view it. That's why you want things to go viral. You want to do certain promo videos that will go viral. You want to hashtag certain things. So uh, social media is huge.
1: Yeah, and I think going back to your, you know, with the whole guy, like, you know, guy or girl, uh, you know, using your techniques and stuff to to try to sell their properties, it's still going to lack that Charles originality, like your passion and your like energy that you put behind when you sell something is what draws people in and nobody can copy that. So even if they want to try, it's not going to matter because it's not yours. It's not the iron agent.
2: And you know what? Let me just add to that. I'm not perfect by any means. Like I have a lot to work on. Sometimes I talk too fast. So I got to like, like you learn. Right. And, 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 and listen, a lot of people that say, I know everything, like you're never going to get anywhere like that. Like I learned from other agents. Like that's how I started doing video because I saw other successful agents doing that. And I'm like, wow, I'm like, like, that's, that's that's, like, I need to be like that too. So I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I know there's other agents out there that, that, that can talk the talk. Um, but I think, when I'm talking, it's coming from my heart, and that's what people yeah. see.
1: And that's what I mean. I, I and I, I kind of know you on a personal level, and I've known you for a few years, and, and doing your real estate, and and every time you get into it, like you're just so passionate about it, and I think that's what draws people to
0: you, right? So where do you get the drive from? Because not a lot of people have that drive to always be moving, constantly talking to people. Where do you get that drive that pushes you to do your best and sell homes?
2: I think it just comes down to personality, to be honest with you. It's either you like have it or you don't. You can't fake it. Like, um, again, when I was young, I was always into like I just want to like be that guy doing something. I want to be able to talk to people, be involved in things, be like not center of attention, but always be like like people are like, oh, that guy, look what he's doing. Like, like you know, like that's the way my my mentality is. And even my wife sometimes is like, holy cow, you talk so much to these people, you just met. And I'm like, no. Like, I, it's just the way I am. You never, ever know, like, what can come from that. And, you know, that's just, it's, it's just personality. Like, you can't buy personality like that. Like, um, you know, like, it's just the way I am. I just love talking to people and, you know, and I can talk all day. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> I'm wondering, though, I, my tattoo artist uh, recommended this book called Be Obsessed or Be Average. Have you ever read that book?
2: No, I heard of it.
0: So the the author, I can't think of his name right now but he actually um, started with uh, selling cars as well. And then he decided to be a real estate agent. And then he started buying homes and selling homes. And then he started buying properties like buildings where you can make more profit. Uh, If you buy a a big property, like a a rental building where you will make more money of. So what do you think of that type of business as opposed to selling houses?
2: to be honest with you i I, i've i've dipped into commercial um because i call those commercial right um and um i don't know i just like where i'm at i love just doing residential i've done commercial made some good money off commercial um it's just there's so much risk even right now like there's so much like you know it's risk versus reward like right now especially with covid and people like losing jobs or whatever the case is like is the I think it's the worst time because now you gotta like you're dealing with tenants that don't want to pay and you gotta be like you gotta be sympathetic you know like um, but in the grand scheme of things yeah I mean if you can you know um, if you can find something like that and you're willing to manage it that's fine like I just I don't want to manage stuff like that to be honest with you that's the, that's not for me mm-hmm. I'm more of like I sort of sell homes invest into other things invest into real estate. Um, but make it as as easy as possible because I've dealt with a lot of clients, elderly clients that they have properties like that and they're losing their mind. They're like, I'm 70 years old. I I don't want to deal with this anymore. And they're just like, there's a lot of them that are just selling them. They're just selling them. Like I want to get out of this. I don't want to chase people for rent. I don't want to, you know, but it, but listen, at the end of the day, if the numbers work, it is a lucrative business and it's something that you can pass down to your family. So it's definitely, you know, a, a good thing to get into
1: so do you think now with COVID, uh, people should maybe err on the side of caution as to what you're buying and investing in because of because of that problem. Like people are def- trying to defer their rent and maybe the landlord can't do that because they have a mortgage of their own and then they can't get any help from the government for whatever reason. Like, do you think that maybe right now people should just kind of, if you want to invest, maybe just buy in like a single home with something that has something in the basement as opposed to buying like a, uh, commercial like you said
2: yeah yeah like like like. don't get me wrong even at the height of COVID, like i had to, i had to rent out um one of my clients condo and we rented out in like two days so you could still like um screen people like you could still like people are still making money there are people that have a job they haven't been affected they're working from home but um but this particular situation this uh, the tenant that's been there for over five years they just had to move in with their parents. They just, you know, they got laid off. So we were able to find somebody right away and uh, and it worked. Um, it just really depends on the business. So you could still do these things. You just gotta like kind of screen and, and vet all those people that are coming through the door to see if they can actually afford it. So you gotta do kind of, you gotta see their profile, see, you know, what job they have and everything. So it's still doable. Um, but I've heard of a lot of people that, you know, they had to give breaks. And they're not even getting taken care of by the government, and the government's giving loans, so they got to pay those loans back. So there, is, there is people that are suffering, but. Uh We can only hope that everything goes back to normal in a sense and people can get on with life, make money and, you know, the economy just rolling and rolling like like it did before.
1: And are you helping clients right now kind of help get through the screening process of what would be a good tenant for them if they're looking to rent? Because I'm assuming since you mentioned it, you also help people find uh, rental uh, for their units, too?
2: Yeah, we actually have a, any listing that I have, you have to like uh, with your offer, uh, accompanied with your offer, you have to have a rental application. So I always ask for like a credit che- a credit score, credit check, uh, employment letter, uh, pay stubs, just proof that, hey, you know, you can afford this. And then we'll, I'll obviously touch base with your employer, I'll, I'll look into it further, and then I'll give them my input. And then, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a hard thing. Um, I always, like at the end of the day, like I always make sure that, you know, I cross all my T's, dot all my I's, give my clients all the information they need, and then they will make the decision.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like no, nobody's perfect. I mean, we can screen everybody we want, but as we know, things can go chaos at any point in our lives. So, I mean, you obviously do the best job that you can to find the right right person for your client.
2: You're totally right, because here's the thing. I'll give you two examples. I've had, uh, and actually... To be honest with you, in 10 years, only like I had one scenario where somebody was a good tenant, AAA tenant. When we say AAA, everything checks out. After six months, they had to leave. Something happened in their life, they had to leave. So there is times where that's going to happen. On the flip side, twice I've had rental units being taken from people who have been bankrupt and have poor credit. But here's the thing. They're coming with a reputable agent. So the agent's like, let's meet and discuss this because there's more to the story. So when you meet and talk with these individuals, they'll tell you why they got divorced. They had to take, you know, they had to, they, 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 their credit had to take a beating because of that. Yeah. And are the best, best tenants my client has ever had. One is in a condo. One is in a commercial. They've been there for six years. He goes, they never, ever complain. They're the best tenants I've ever had, even though they came with a bankruptcy. So I always tell my my, my, my clients that I go, you never know. You got to hear people out because People get scared when they hear that, so you got to hear people out, and you got to kind of use your judgment on that and say, okay, you know what, we're gonna do it. So there's ways around that.
1: Yeah, and I think that comes with your 10 years experience too. Like you kind of get to know and you have a feeling of people. Like, okay, yeah, this guy's just had a rough time, and but
0: is gonna come through. Yeah, exactly, exactly. For for those who um, are just buying their house for the first time, and it's very intimidating. And a very daunting task what is the biggest mistake they
2: make so backing up to what I was saying earlier how I like to talk a lot of agents they don't like to talk I like to talk because I need to get everything out in the open I always start from so nowadays if a prospective tenant comes my way the first thing that we do and I always tell them and you have to say politely you got to get your pre-approval. you got to get your financing in check. Speak to a mortgage broker. They will go over everything with you. They'll do your credit check. They'll look at what you're making, what your debts and liabilities are. And then they will be able to tell you this is your mortgage, your max mortgage amount. And they'll be able to run down that list of expenses and what to account for. Then that gets passed over to me. So once I get that pre-approval, then I will go over all their closing costs and, and, and situations. Multiple offers. Um, you know, conditions, I'll go over everything with them in that regard. So I all, and this is, again, experience, because in the past, like when I first started, I was taking people, I was taking buyers out and they weren't even pre-approved. Again, you're starting out, you're new, you just want to, you're excited, you want to get them out there. They tell you, yeah, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then when it comes down to the offer, they don't get, the deal goes sideways because of that reason. Uh, So you just, uh, and again, I don't think they're making a mistake when they're coming to me. If somebody's coming to me, I'm just going to say, "Listen, we got to get you peer approved." And if it's not now, it can. It's better to talk now so you're ready for when that time comes. Because if you wait for those months, then you're going to have to you're going to push it back anyway. So get the professional advice. They will tell you how to rebuild a score or what to do to get you ready. So it, it might not be now, but it could be six months or a year from now.
1: And what about people that are coming now? That because it's Toronto is so expensive. Like it's it's crazy. The insane like. For how much you want if you want your own house and not a condo so when people are coming to you and they're like listen charles i don't quite have 20 percent." are there options for people right now that they can still try to get into the housing market because a lot of people i think don't realize that they still might have an option out there
2: yeah there is no oh, definitely you don't need 20 percent. i mean it all comes down to the uh it all comes down to what uh, the purchase price of the house is employment credit debts and liabilities, but you don't have to have 20% down. The only difference is with 20% down, you don't have to get the mortgage insured. So um, if you're going below 20%, then you know the interest rate might be a little higher. Um, they got to put mortgage insurance that, that protects them in case there's a default. So um, it's not the end of the world, but it, it, it's possible. Yeah, totally.
0: So do you think that it is possible um, because there's a lot of people who just stay with renting because they don't think it's possible for them to own a home or they don't have that, like you said, the 20%. Exactly. Like they're very intimidated by by the amount of money they would have to pay every month. But um, for me, it's more reasonable to actually own a home as opposed to renting. What would you say for people who are intimidated coming from renting to owning a home?
2: Well, I've had that last year. Two of them, uh, they just reached out to me. They saw my videos, and I actually was talking about that in one of my videos last year. And they th- they, they they thought they were not ready at all. And I said, look, just talk to my mortgage partner, and uh, he'll steer you in the right direction. Literally, like three months later, they were ready. He's like, holy cow, are you serious? He's like, yeah. I'm like, you've saved some money. This is what you're looking for. This is the area you're good to go. And they were shocked, they were surprised. Um, So, and some people think, oh, well, I don't have a good credit. And and my second client was one of those people. It took them a year, the year went by so quick, they rebuilt their credit, they got approved, and we bought them a house, and they're both enjoying life right now. They're not renting, they're paying into their own Asset, they're not paying somebody else's mortgage. So,
1: yeah. And I mean, I guess it's probably if you can, if you can get into the market and just pay into your own mortgage. I mean, I guess that's always better than paying someone else's mortgage while you're renting.
2: Yeah, sorry to cut you off. Some people don't care. They want to rent. They're like, you know what? I'm fine renting. Like they're okay. They're like, I'm fine to rent. And in the meantime, I'm gonna save, I'm gonna figure out my strategy, and that's it. Everybody does it, everybody.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's good. Well, what would you say for people who are looking uh, like right now or maybe next year, like what would be good areas to start looking? Because Toronto is expensive. Like, is there any outskirt areas that would be good to look at that maybe you can't afford right now, but you could invest and then maybe move closer as you save some equity?
2: Yeah, right now, like anything north, east, uh, west, um is good. There's a lot of hot pockets. Like Bradford last year was cheap. Now it's expensive. Not when I say cheap, I mean it was it was it was reasonable. Now it's really expensive. Um a lot of my clients are going north of the city, they're going to Tottenham, Barrie, Alliston. These communities are growing. A lot of young people, a lot of young families. Um, so if you yeah, if you definitely have a strict budget, you want to go to those areas. Um, like even East, like like in Durham, there's they're still very, they're, they're expensive. So um, definitely right now, the hotspots are north of the city. Like I said, Tottenham, uh, Georgina, which is also Keswick, like those areas.
1: Yeah, I have right. seen a lot of those listings for Georgina, actually, on uh, just looking on the MLS myself. I kind of go on and look around and stuff. And I know that that there's a lot of, and they're actually quite, quite a fair size home, like much more than you would get here in Toronto.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100% like one of my clients bought in barry he bought a beautiful like 3800 square feet home like beautiful with a movie theater in the basement wow. pool everything he paid like what was it 675 and that was wow. one year ago now it, now it's worth
1: 850
2: yeah wow That's Actually, nothing at that time the market meant nothing was happening and yeah. it's all timing yeah and we were like like we were like let's hope that this thing appraises because that's another thing you know when you buy a house you don't want to overpay because then you have the appraisal appraiser come in and if they appraise it below you got to make up that difference so we were like okay right. let's make sure it's good and it came on the appraiser the appraisal came on and within one year 645 to like 800 that's crazy
0: yeah that's amazing that's awesome yeah so how do you foresee the market being in like in the next five years um do you see it as a, again being more expensive and growing Or is it going to go down or even stay the same? You know how they talk about the big market bubble and all this kind of stuff. I know you're going to laugh at this,
1: but I had to ask it.
2: (laughs) No, no, no. no. Honestly, this world, I don't know what's going to happen even tomorrow with what's going on with politics and all this nonsense going on. Aside from that, um, I would say the market's going to hold strong. Um, Those areas that are north are just going to keep going up. Toronto, I think, is going to stay kind of like – What's the word? Stagnant, I guess. Um, If Toronto uh, removes their um, municipal tax, then there'll be more action because when you buy in Toronto, you're paying double land transfer tax. When you buy outside of Toronto, you're only paying like the provincial tax. So I do think it's going to hold strong. I don't see any signs of slowing down. The only way it's going to slow down is if there's another global pandemic and people are scared and interest rates shoot up obviously that that'll affect it. So I, it's, it's such a hard question to, uh, to answer, but if things are going to roll smooth, I think that the market is going to keep keep going up and up and up. That's what I think.
1: That's good. And what about you? Like, so we did mention that you're, you're on Instagram, you do a lot of amazing videos and stuff. So where can our listeners find you if they want to contact you?
2: Um, okay. So on Instagram, it's very simple. It's your iron agent um it's a public it's a it's a business profile so they can just like it's not like there's no friend request or anything they can just go there to see my content uh i have my website uh and then all my contact information's on there and uh they can contact me if they have any questions i love to talk to people so i do get a lot of messages so if anybody has and even if they even if they're working with an agent and they just want to get my opinion i will still love to talk to them so that's how i am i'm approachable i'm friendly and I'll do my best to help anybody out.
1: Thanks for being on the show today, Charles. It was amazing to have you on the show.
2: Thanks a lot, guys, for having me on there. And, uh, yeah, again, they know where to reach me. And, again, thank you so much. It was a pleasure uh, talking with you guys. I had a lot of fun.
0: Yes, thank you for being here. And thank you to all our Pinksters. This is Nene. And this is Cece. And And we are the Pink Boss. Boss.